Chapter 14 Keeper of the Wurton Tribe I don't think I've ever seen anything like it, Sebulon said, unable to control his laughter. I mean, I don't think anyone has. Unable to get a hold of himself, he spilled his brew while taking a sip. Roland couldn't hold back and laughed as well. Instant pain flared in his ribs causing him to wince. They each sat upon emptied casts out in the fields north of the town's walls. You were like, Sebulon paused to make a terrible impression of Roland, come here, sheepfucker, acting like you were an elemental god, reincarnated after winning the archery contest. And, the Longhorn did listen. He laughed. Oh, did it listen? Roland swallowed some brew and even that made his insides hurt. Yeah, I think it cracked a rib or crushed my insides to pulp, he said. His friend nodded. I'll admit, I was worried for a second, just in that instant before the horn struck you in the gut. After you went flying backwards a dozen paces the whole crowd had gone silent for a breath. Then we saw your leather shoe still stuck in the mud and everyone laughed. I'm glad I was able to provide you some entertainment. Sebulon took another drink and wiped his mouth. I was a bit disappointed that I didn't win the Quirass Prize in the Ram Wrestling Finals, but your performance made up for it. You also shouldn't have made that bet. Roland buried his face in his mug. After winning the archery contest, his swelling confidence had been certain that he'd win the Ram Wrestling too. So much so, that he bet the first elemental stone they found on the trials would go to him. You know, Sebulon began as he watched the passers-by from atop his cask. I'm not sure what's funnier, your latest display, or that story about how your first attempt at sex ended with you almost boiling yourself alive. Yeah, Roland agreed. That turned out to be quite the experience. Sebulon nodded, face beaming with suppressed laughter, but he blessedly held it in check. After a moment, he asked, so, how is it with you two? You ready to move into a roundhouse together? I suppose so, Roland said, though he hardly thought that far ahead when it came to Sasha. Every moment of his days as of late seemed solely focused on the trials. A trio of fused women walked past, identifiable not only by their taishas, but by how they only wore sleeveless, fur-lined vests and no coats. Ages of fused were difficult to tell, but they looked to have only recently passed the trials and none wore a marriage braid. The middle one, with raven hair caught Roland looking and playfully rolled her eyes as they continued by. Noticing his friend hadn't commented on the women for once, he glanced over to find Sebulon smiling at him with a raised eyebrow. Oh, knock it off, Roland chided before taking another drink. All right all right, Sebulon said placating. I'm only looking out for you. You sit here and say one thing, then you're eyeing fused ladies, your bow instructor is flirting with you, and your girl is nowhere to be found. I know Sasha has another year yet till her trials, but how it training together back home? Roland shook his head. We don't. Father always has me doing my own training. It isn't the traditional sort either. It's more strenuous circuits and kudan forms as opposed to ranging in the wilds. That's different all right. Not sure how that will help you out there. He says the kudan helps my focus. Roland said, shaking his head. The other day my parents brought my sister in and the three of them beat the shadow out of me. Another woman passed, this one while through the trials wore the thin corded taisha of an unfused. 
Sebulon watched her go and said, now that's a woman. Roland frowned after her and asked, who? That girl? She had been cute, but with lips too pouty for his taste. No. Your sister, Anya. Elements Roland, she is something else. Looks just like your mother. Roland punched his friend's shoulder. Knock that off. Don't tell me you still have a thing for her? Who? Your sister, or your mom? Either of them. Sebulon laughed and took another drink. Seriously though. After I return fused, do you think Anya will untie her marriage braid for me? Roland sighed, wishing the conversation would die. No. The shadow would have to take her first. She has a kid, you know that? I can handle a kid if she came with it, Sebulon shrugged. Listen, I really don't want to hear any more of your fantasies involving the chieftess of pain and scowls. Besides, she's nearly a decade older than you. Sebulon shrugged. A decade is nothing between a pair of fused lovers. That bow instructor of yours is barely older than that, and I couldn't help but notice she's been holding out on a marriage braid. His eyebrows lifted suggestively. Roland could only shake his head and bury his face with his mug. He still didn't know how she made him feel, and worse, he didn't understand why he couldn't simply ignore Daedra either. A flash of red hair peeked through the crowd. He stood abruptly, wondering if Sasha had finally come to the game fields. Her freckled face appeared then and spotted him right away. She staggered over while calling out, there you are. She promptly wrapped him in an embrace and went to kiss him. He let it happen for a breath before gently holding her back. Sasha, not here in front of everyone. What if someone in the clan sees us? Her hand waved nonchalantly and a bit uncoordinated. To the shadow with what they think. Belatedly she noticed Sebulon and nodded his way. Hey Seb, how do you fare in the wrestling? She reeked of brew and the mug in her hand was empty, even before she tried for another drink. Sebulon smiled, shooting Roland a glance before saying, I didn't win the prize, but luckily some other folk offered some prime entertainment. Never mind that. Where have you been? Roland asked, eager to change the subject. I missed you at all the contests. The contests? When do they start? Her brows creased together in confusion as she examined the lack of brew in her mug. She frowned and tossed the mug aside before her eyes lit up. Come with me. There are loads of music circles inside the town. Let's get another drink on the way. Roland didn't feel he had drunk enough to properly join a circle, but she didn't leave him any say in the matter. Clasping his hand, she heaved him to stagger after her. He shot a pleading glance at Sebulon, but he was already off his cask and trotting after a pair of fused women. As sunset approached, Roland found a familiar scene inside the town. Only this time around, the company was more enjoyable, well, mostly. While Roland and Sebulon participated in the games, Sasha had apparently been doing some drinking, and a lot of it. He didn't judge her. It only felt awkward combined with his own sobriety. A couple more mugs, he told himself, then we'll be on the same level. Then again, a couple more mugs and Sasha would be out till the departure ceremony. Thankfully she bypassed the crowded carts loaded with casks and went straight for the clearing in the center of town, right in front of the chieftain's hall. 
She paused, lazy eyes drifting over the circles, undoubtedly contemplating which one to join. Sasha, we need to talk, he said, thinking about their time at the springs and wondering how much her father knew. She also needed to know that his parents knew the truth. She tossed a hand at him, almost slapping his face. I don't want to talk about those stupid trials, not tonight. It's not about, he began before another jerk at his wrist sent him reeling after her. That one, she declared. A few steps later he picked out the rhythm which had caught her interest, the tale of Kruskas. He had figured they would watch the circle from the periphery, then Sasha shoved him into the line of men making the beat. A pair of fused tribesmen smiled at him beneath headdresses of a wolf and that of a rock eagle adorned with feathers. Roland did his best to fall into rhythm stomping and interweaving claps before looking too much like a fool. Sasha had vanished for a second, then reappeared with a line of women decked with beads. Despite lacking the festival flair, she blended in smoothly. Where she had struggled to stay on the paths through town, she danced in perfect harmony with the others, tossing her red hair about and letting out yelps. The speaker was an enthusiastic one, leaping about the circle and putting his soul into the tale of the fire god. He talked of Kruskas's wild passion and how it constantly grew, despite his imprisonment in a mountain. Eventually that passion erupted in flame and lava that bled out to consume the surrounding land. Roland only partially listened to the words. The song's quick tempo was ever-changing, making it difficult to keep up. It ended with a wild flurry of wailing dancers with gyrating beads, while Roland slapped an intense rhythm across his thigh, all the while stomping as fast as any unfused could. When it finally finished, he found himself winded. He looked about for Sasha, who conversed with the other women, sharing sips from a set of mugs. Before he even started to make his way over, another beat started up. She jumped right in with the dancers, while Roland took the opportunity to fall back into the crowd. He would have to talk with her later. His attention drifted from the music circle to the rest of the clearing. Across from the looming chieftain's hall stood another structure that differed from the town's roundhouses. The hall of keepers had a size that more closely resembled a clan's great hall. Though instead of being round, it stretched into an elongated oval. Made exclusively from ostra oak, its weathered and dark facade appeared like something already set beneath a wave's essence in nightfall rather than the setting sun. He ought to visit his grandmother inside before the trials. Before arriving in Wurton, he had planned to do so. Then he got tied up in a forge all night and spent the day out drinking in the field north of town. Glancing back, Sasha continued her dancing, almost like she had fallen into a trance. She hadn't so much as glanced his way since they found the circles. He would make it a quick stop, just pop in, say hello, then head right back out to the celebrations. Sasha wouldn't even know he had left, and afterward they could continue their last night without the weight of the trials upon them. The rhythmic stomps and chants faded as Roland ascended the steps. The tall and narrow doors were unlocked, and he slipped inside, leaving all sounds of the festival behind him. Only the soft crackling of a fire and the scent of parchment greeted him. Hello, he called as he entered the front foyer. It made for a large space with an open ceiling spanning up the curved roof. A hearth burned to his left, and a series of shelves loaded with artifacts from outside a land flanked it to either side. Wooden benches and armchairs, all draped with furs filled the foyer center. 
it made for a place to converse with the keeper or to read up on whatever historical record people came to find. To the right was a wooden desk stacked with pieces of parchment, books, and a three-armed bronze candelabra. Beyond the desk rose the part of the hall that always captivated Roland. A map of Hugh Erin covered the entire wall, from floor to ceiling. The heartland and the Great Heart Lake sat in the center of it all, encircled by the Illyrian Mountains. While outsider realms were not marked, the map clearly detailed out the land itself, including the elemental sources from where all seasonal waves originated. To the north, beyond forests of pines and a vast tundra lay sky mount and the elemental source of air. East of the Illyrian Mountains stretched a dense and lush forest, and from its heart a large cluster of trees arose to depict Asherah's grove, where all nature essence hailed from. South, beyond fields of golden plains, a maze of chasms and arid lands was the blood of Kruskas, a lava field and a lone volcano that gave birth to the waves of fire essence. Past the marshes and swamps west of Roland's clan territory lay the Sea of the Shattered Isles. The islands seemed like they would fit back together if one could do such a thing. On their far side, in the center of an atoll lay a dark circle, the Blue Abyss, which would bring the annual monsoon and water season rains. Just as no outsider had ever stepped foot into the heartland since the founding of the four tribes, no Illyrian had ever visited the elemental sources. To see such holy places of power would certainly change one's life. Planning a trip somewhere, an elderly woman asked. Despite himself, Roland spun around, startled. A white-haired woman had emerged from the cases of scrolls and books that ran the length of the hall beyond the foyer. She wore standard Illyrian leathers and the taishar of a fused, but with a wool shawl draped over her shoulders. She also neglected to wear any festival beads. Keeper Eliza, he greeted before offering a formal salute. Oh, stop that, she hissed. It's just us here, and your family. Yes, grandmother, he said and went over to embrace her. She pulled back rather quickly, wrinkling her nose and eyeing his dirty leathers. Been enjoying the festival I take it? He chuckled, hooking a thumb toward the door. Everyone is. I don't have it with me, but I won the archery contest and received a war bow. A war bow, she huffed. Don't know why they call it that. Why not just a great bow or something less violent? Expecting a different reaction from her, he didn't know how to respond, so settled for a shrug. Come, have a seat. Let me get a different type of brew into you. You've got a big day tomorrow and you already smell like a brewery. She gestured to a fur-covered bench and made her way to the hearth. He settled down while she set a pot over the fire. She proceeded to fiddle about with a mort and pestle along with the contents from several clay jars. His eyes drifted back to the map. Despite its size, it still didn't portray the detail he needed to plot out his journey on the trials. Grandmother, he began hesitantly, what do you know of the borderlands? Without looking back, she said, I'd think you know as much as any Illyrian about the borders with outsider lands beyond the outer rim. No, not that border, he clarified. I mean the borderlands between the tribes here in the heartland. She paused in her work to cast a raised brow back at him. Planning to go out and into the wilds proper for your trials? She turned back around to continue her grinding. I take it you'll be heading north then? Actually, yes. How did you know? She shrugged. Just a hunch. Little Sky offers the best chance at scouting the lowlands.
She returned to take up a seat across from him. That's what I was thinking, he said nodding. That still puts me close to the other youths, but I plan to go further north, into the borderlands not fully claimed by us or the Ovion tribe. He glanced back to the map, picturing the route he'd take before turning northwest to head into the inner foothills and eventually the peaks. As the silence drug out, he turned back to his grandmother. Eliza sat dazed, both staring at him and yet through him. He looked away as his discomfort grew, noticing the steam rising from the pot. Grandmother, I think your water is ready, he said, but she didn't respond. When he turned back to face her, her gaze and expression remained unchanged, only now a solitary tear rolled down one cheek. Grandmother Eliza? She blinked, head quivering for a breath, before focusing a hollow smile at him. Yes, those lands promise a better opportunity at finding elemental stones, but not without risk. Our fews don't patrol there often, leaving the grey backpacks to run rampant. Also, those lowlands are prone for spot flooding during the monsoon. It's part of why the founders didn't choose to settle there. He hardly heard her. Instead, he couldn't but wonder what sort of thought had made her so upset. Are you all right? he asked. Fine as a water season's rain, she said, rising and returning to the hearth. Her uncertain tone said otherwise, but he didn't feel right to press the topic. Perhaps she had recalled all of her children and grandchildren who never returned from the trials. He knew his parents didn't like speaking of it. So, he changed the topic. I saw the inside of the chieftain's hall last night, he said, not thinking of anything better to speak of. He figured his little venture at the forge was best left unsaid, lest he accidentally let something slip. She was his grandmother, but also served as keeper of the tribe. She may not be the enforcer of tribal law, but she wrote the damn book. It's a marvel to be seen, she said, pouring steaming water into a pair of cups with pouches dangling inside. Yeah, it's something else, he agreed. The craziest thing happened though. A pair of elders from the Branded Axe clan practically jumped me inside. Gunther and Levy, she said in reference to the elders in question. Apparently, news of that event had already reached her, which probably didn't bode well for Roland. The last thing he wanted was to be on the minds of every prominent member in the tribe. She returned holding a pair of steaming clay cups and offered him one. Here, but let it rest a minute. The cup before Roland had an herbal scent, reminiscent of rich soil. He glanced up and found Eliza staring at him intently, as if expecting something more than mere words to follow. After shifting uncomfortably, he sipped the beverage, burning his lip in the process and stifling a curse. I said let it rest, she repeated. Ark, what is this? It tastes like a liquefied tree. She blew gently over her cup. There's a bit of that in there, in particular the bark from a cascara tree, among other things. The taste clung to his tongue. He couldn't help but ask, you like this stuff? Elements no. I made that special for you. Mine is an herbal variety with mist grass from the isles. After blowing gently over his cup, he tried another sip. It still near to scolded him but that seemed to help mask the taste. So, those elders, he continued, they didn't seem to like Valdar at all. Kept calling him a traitor and outsider. She frowned for a moment before nodding. Unfortunately, that is how they see it. After nothing followed, he asked, and why is that? 
It started after the last war, she said. When the Torant invaded the Perma tribe's territory, the other tribes all sent aid. We were slow to do so, because your father cautioned about overextending ourselves and leaving other borders exposed. Clans like the Branded Axe didn't care about tribal authority and marched off in advance of the rest of the tribe. Wait, father didn't want to help our fellow tribe? And the chieftain and high council listened to him? Why would they do that? He wasn't even a clan elder back then. Your father only puts two things before the tribes, and that's the mother goddess Eliora and his family. People listen to him for the same reason they listen to me, we're both fused to white stags, and thus have powerful links to Hueren and the elements, she said before taking a sip of tea. The gesture offered a hint of finality to her words. He found it disturbingly similar to his father's manner of speaking, if only far more subtle. Roland almost shook his head in disbelief regarding how people had treated his father's wild proclamations. I heard him say that many times about his fusion, Roland said, but I don't have a clue what it means. I hardly ever understand what he goes on about half the time. She tilted her head in thought, then said, being fused to a white stag is like feeling the elemental waves as they pass. They speak to us. It's strongest when a wave is directly overhead, and stronger still if it's an elemental storm. Did she just say they hear voices in their head? Elements, this is getting weird. He had always thought his grandmother was a bit odd, but had thought it more of an age thing rather than an association with her fusion. Did that mean his father would turn out this way after another handful of decades? Now that Roland thought of it, Valdar occasionally showed bits of odd behavior. Roland downed the rest of his cup with a grimace, figuring it was time to venture back out and find Sasha. Thanks for the, whatever that was. It was nice. Eliza smiled. It's good for you. Helps cleanse the body of all those toxins you're about to go out and drink. Don't worry, I'll take it easy, he said, though all he could think about was finding Sasha or Sebulon and letting himself cut loose for the night. He headed for the door but paused as she called after him. But your father was right. Remember that fact the next time someone calls you a traitor. Dot. He turned around. What do you mean? She looked into her tea, speaking absently, a raid from the Isles Kingdom of Solmeria came. Everyone across the four corners of Huerin knows when Illyrians go to war. Only those interlopers didn't find an unprotected mountainside upon arrival. After chasing them back into their vessels, we marched to help against the Torant, shifting the tide in the war. He had grown worried before, that the accusations towards his father held some truth. To hear otherwise came in a pride-filled swelling of relief. Still, he had to ask, and despite that, they still call Valdar a traitor? Those who left for the war early saw heavy losses, devastating some might say. Memories stained with that much blood are hard for anyone to forget. Her tight smile spoke of her own remembered pain. Roland nodded, somewhat understanding, even if he didn't agree with how it had formed a persistent rift among his people. He started to leave again, but stopped and asked, but how did Valdar know we would be attacked? He knew elemental waves hadn't told his father as much. Her knowing grin broadened over her cup. For that, you will have to ask him. She made a shooing gesture at the door. Now go on and enjoy yourself. Come back to visit after you have fused, and I'll tell you all about your fusion and set you on the right path. 
Roland knew he wouldn't get the chance to talk with father until after returning from the trials. Despite being unsatisfied with her answer, he smiled and offered a farewell. The celebration-filled night continued outside. First, he needed a brew to wash the taste of tree bark from his mouth and clear his head. Then, he would find Sasha and enjoy his last night as a youth. With any luck, she wouldn't too irritated with his absence and try to club him upside the head, again.